You know what's funny is this is the very first time that we've had, we have four people on this podcast today. Uh, we have a pizza we have a quesadilla we have a gr- uh, grilled cheeser, and we have a nacho-er. That's quite, uh, quite exciting. Saving the best for last there. That's the <laughs> worst one. No, he already said me. <laughs> you know, when, when I was having dinner tonight, I was thinking, what are the chances that this just becomes a solid fo- podcast of us just complaining about triangle foods? Um, because I had the same thought, same exact thought, Dakota. You know, if Sheldon was on here and we had the trombolonos, whatever those are called, if we had those on here, then that would be lit. Uh, They're called not triangle. They're called prisms, right? Sorry, Sheldon. Triangular prisms, yeah. And this is called the Squad Games Podcast. You know us. You've heard us before. My name's Giacomo. We got Dakota here. We got Mr. Emanuel. And with us, another special guest, Rob. Hey. Back to triangle-shaped foods, though. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm like Danny DeVito, intrigued in ideas. You know, my wife is almost converting to the trombolones. I'm never going to say that word right. You know? It's it's not cheese-based, so I feel like it kind of breaks the rules. It's a dessert food, so... I mean, right. I love it, but it's, it's what also... About, what about cheesecake? Cake? Ooh. Cheesecake slice. Yeah, I mean, th- there it is. You got you to gotta add the slice in there, otherwise it's not a triangle. I, I mean, mean it, if y'all yeah. were all talking about... Quesadilla pieces, slices. Do you call it a slice of quesadilla? I don't think you do. No, I, I've never heard that once. Yeah, neither have I. You know, yeah, so clearly quesadilla just disqualified then. I had round nachos yesterday. So you had a variation. Interesting, not the classic. So my question for you, Emmanuel, is uh, my my, fa- my wife's family is from the Midwest, and they call it nachos with cheese. Um, mm-hmm. no, so does nachos with cheese? Isn't so, it the cheese is the nacho, right? No, no. So interesting you bring this up because there are um, pockets of humans that are sorely misled in how to talk about foods. Uh Um, Interestingly enough, this does have to do with quesadillas as well. Uh, In Mexico City, you have to say quesadilla with cheese. Um, Despite the name is literally cheese tortilla smushed together, you have to say in Mexico City with cheese. Otherwise, they don't know what you want. So um, there are pockets of humans that are just wrong. <laughs> so I think the Midwest is just wrong. So I don't, I don't want to cause any international disputes here, but um, for our Spanish listeners, I don't know if Ace and the Spanish Kill Team community listens, but uh, a tortilla that's been making the news in Spain. Do you guys see that? Oh, no. What? No, what? So, I have not. So in Spain, a, a tortilla is not a flour or corn base. It's an egg dish. And there's a restaurant in Madrid. Oh, I, I know what it is. Yeah, it, it got in trouble because it was undercooking the eggs. But the picture on the article is of a really nice looking like quiche, but it's a slice. So the tortilla in Spain looks like a slice of pizza, like a deep dish slice, but still a slice. Yo, I've been making this forever. I have never knew this was where it was from. That's I, I, right I'm going to Google what this. Hell? I got to see <laughs> oh this. Oh, my God. Que hago con mi vida? Yeah, no sé qué said. Spanish <laughs> That's for any of the Spaniards out there listening. No, no, this is a quiche. What are they doing? You can't just rename quiche and call it a tortilla. Oh, they call it a frittata too. I am colorblind. Yeah, or a frittata. and Valarjo. Buddy, <laughs> buddy. So it says Spanish tortilla on New York Times cooking, and it says also known as Spanish omelet. 
What is going on? It's also in South America. I had some Colombian friends that were very confused with the idea of tortilla chips. So just throwing that out there. I feel like <laughs> real cheese, though, understood around the world. It's just a classic. I, I can mean, guarantee you there's somewhere where they mess up grilled cheese. I can guarantee you that. Does, it, does anyone find tortas, like Mexican tortas that are sandwiches being kind of weird? I, I have no problem with that. No, but every time I go to Domino's, they always agree with me that the correct deployment zone should be called pizza. I doubt you've (laughs) ever gone into a Domino's and asked anyone that question. They probably kicked you out. I'm going to record myself next time, and you please. (laughs) I need to. I need to see that Instagram reel. If anyone wants to 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 join this insanity of what we are talking about about the deployment zones for Kill Team, go ahead, jump onto our Discord and get into the. uh, the pizza nacho debate and grilled cheese. Yes, especially grilled cheese. And quesadilla. I, I think grilled cheese is, has become the new fourth because for a while it was only three, you know? I mean, there there's two of them now, so it's clearly getting out of hand. I think there's a total of five in the running now. No, no. no two two grilled cheese supporters. I saw someone oh. else pop up with that blasphemy. So... Who's Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, and or Slayer in this scenario since we're going big four here, you know? Ooh. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think I think Quesadilla has to be Slayer. I don't know why. It just seems that feels right. right. Well, I mean, Tom Araya is, is Hispanic descent, so it feels there right. There you go. There you go. Um, I feel that Metallica has to be Nacho. Really? Because... I'd say it's pizza. No, they seem more ballparky than that. You think so? I think they're I think more popular so. to be pizza. Huh? That's why I think. And then Megadeth would be nachos because it's like second best. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, I saw that one coming. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know I was coming on a culinary podcast today. This is fun. Yeah, we're actually a gastro. What was the gastro pub podcast I listened to? I forget what it's called. Shows yeah, you how much I listen to it. I mean, Giacomo can can agree that my triangular shaped pizzas that I made were delicious. They were good. interesting yeah. that you had to clarify that it was a triangular pizza, and you couldn't just say pizza, indicating that pizza itself is not inherently triangular. Well, the, the next re- I mean, question. I, li- I literally have a pizza <laughs> icon on my desktop that is same, literally same. just a triangle. Yeah, a slice of one, right? Yeah. Oh, we're going in circles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was clever. That was clever. So today we're we're here. We're going to be talking about some uh, some hobby and some corsairs. So uh, Emmanuel, you won the hobby track of 2022 uh, with your orcs. Could you tell us kind of your 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 progression uh, into that and how how you ended up even starting to want to compete for hobby? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's funny because I, I, I've been painting since uh, fall of 2018. Um, my Instagram, Paints, has a chronicle of my very first mini all the way through till now. Um, first one's real bad. Um, <laughs> as character, but anyway, um, I've hit ruts quite frequently along the way, um, progressing as a miniature painter. Um some of them self-imposed, some of them just due to lack of inspiration or motivation to change or learn a new skill. Um, and I had the orc commandos since the beginning of this, um, edition, even before that I kit bashed them. And 
it wasn't until um, hobby track became a thing that I was actually inspired to do something to push myself a little further than just doing the same recipe that I had done for over a hundred orc um, or uh, minis to this point, a very simple kind of contrast based method. And um, honestly was fine. Um, it wasn't bad by any means, but it was, it had stagnated. Um, and knowing that I could do better, but not pushing myself to do better. And then getting a score that wasn't a hundred was just like, Ooh, that doesn't sit well with me. I could get hundred. I could do that. So after, after my first, uh, first one or two scores, I, I went to Dakota and I said, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get better? And he pointed out a couple of things that I could improve on or things that I could focus on. And that, and that really inspired me to keep chasing that dragon as it were. Um, keep trying to do something different to keep trying to get bigger, better, bigger, better. And then eventually just hitting the reset button back in October and painting a whole new commandos team um, to kind of start from the ground up with a lot of those new skills that I had developed painting my intercessorks and um, a few other kit bashes that I had done. Cause in the reality, <laughs> I just want to play commandos. <laughs> I make so many other teams. I just want to play commandos, but uh, hobby track really served as inspiration for me to improve as a painter rather than to compete in hobby track. And I think that motivation really helped carry me across that finish line to keep striving after trying to get that perfect score, to keep trying to add more, add more and change and develop. Yeah, that's fantastic. Could you tell the listeners about what you're, since this podcast is also going to be about Corsairs. Mm-hmm. You do have a Corsair team on the way. Do <laughs> you want to tell everyone about your Corsairs before? Uh... Yeah. So um, I've always been interested in in the Corsairs as well. Um, I've yet to play them, but I really, really dug their um, the team composition and a lot of their tricks and a lot of their mobility. Um, since last edition, I've always said that movement wins games, and they got whole lot of movement um and and that that really interested me in the team but um what interested me more than anything is that uh they're pirate elves right and if we're going to look at pirates in 40k there's clearly one best type of pirate and that's the freebooters i mean there's no debate there uh rob's probably getting in his car to drive down here and punch me as i say that but (laughs) but uh (laughs) But suffice to say, I got I got really excited about the notion of uh, making freebooters, but I didn't want them to be orc boys. And um, honestly, I'd been looking for an excuse to buy the rotten octopus crew off of, off of uh, Cromlech, and this was a perfect excuse to do it. I've uh, I've modeled and I base coated all of them, and it's something that um, I'm going to take my time doing just because it's a it's going to be a really neat project. I'm going to be learning a lot of new skills with it, like weathering cloth. I've uh, never weathered cloth really um most of my weathering has been metallics as orcs are you know, covered in scrap metal um so it'll be interesting to learn how to weather cloth to 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 also bring up some highlights and stippling and that kind of stuff to make it look a little bit more organic um but also doing um some very interesting base effects with water effects um um so that that's that's the one of the teams i have working on but the problem is um they're too good now. Um, and that steered me away from wanting to play them competitively. 
Um, and I got my eyes on some of the other, uh, some of the other underdogs, um, that I might be, uh, might be shifting away from these Corsairs from, but Corsairs are a pretty rad team. I like them a lot. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty exciting. I've always loved elves and Corsairs, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, Rob, you came, there was 103 people in, in the United States who competed in hobby track this year, which is about, it's about a 20% of the total United States population came through a squad games tournament. Um, and this year we are expanding hobby track to multiple other places in the United States. So get your local TOs, have them ring me up, you know, and, uh, on discord or whatever. And I'll make sure that they can, you know, they do it and, um, we'll have an even bigger and more successful hobby track for kill team. Uh, Rob, you got 17th in hobby track. How, how was that? Uh, have you, have you, have you gone on to thinking about making any kind of a display board or, or chasing that track at all? Or are you just focusing on the competitive meta? Um, yeah, honestly, I feel a lot like uh, Emmanuel in the fact that I just love my Corsairs and I don't really want to, uh, play any other teams. Um, and, so I've just been buying more Corsairs <laughs> uh, and I have been, I mean, again, inspired by uh, Emmanuel's journey. I mean, the, the Instagram's great. Cause you get to see like, Oh, he was pretty good. Now he's really good, which gives me hope. Cause I feel like I'm not very good and I could be pretty good. And then maybe in a couple of years, I'd be really good. Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking. And um, I do love the pirate aspect of my Corsairs and that's where they're, uh, they're kind of painted this point, but they, uh, the number one ploy, I think that, every Corsair player uses is plunderers, um, which is a pirate thing. Also like a, uh, like an explorer type thing. So I'm going for a different vibe this year. My, my goal for hobby track is to build a display board, painting a whole new set of uh, Corsairs using kind of the Ranger models uh, from Eldar that are going to look a lot more like, you know, Indiana Jones out That's in sick. the jungle. Yeah. Um, so I've got some of the, uh, the lizard men pieces from age of Sigmar as some pieces I'm going to put together. Right now, it's honestly very daunting because, um, <laughs> like, I know how it looks in my head, and there's a, a lot of ways to go before I get there. But it's just cool to like have a plan for it, and uh, yeah, and I mean, it's inspiring to see a lot of the the display boards at LVO were like, "This is cool. I definitely want to have something that I can put next to these guys uh, because it's just awesome." So yeah, that's that's the goal at least. I think yeah, I think you're gonna excel, and I hope you do really well. So something else that's pretty exciting is um, Hobby Track has changed slightly. We've changed a few of the rules. We've updated a few things. Uh, I know, Emmanuel, you're quite uh, – have you read through any of the new 2023 rules for Hobby Track this year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I went through it already. And uh, what, did you, uh, what did you think of some of the changes? I liked that um, there was room for – the judge to subjectively rate. Um, It it was the, the last year's hobby track uh, ran the risk of multiple ties just because it was purely rubric based. Um, Being the first year with hobby track and people learning your hobby track and getting up to that, it definitely was something that um, uh, didn't happen just because people you know, we're all chasing the dragon with each other, but with enough of a head start going into the next season, if the, if there wasn't that expansion that you've kind of given it with points, um, I feel that hobby track probably ran the risk of getting pretty stagnant 
Um, so I like to see that there's a lot of there's a lot of condensing of things that were. It kind of if you if you did a little, you probably were going to do a lot, so you're probably going to score both of the categories anyway. Those kind of being condensed, yeah. But then also those subjective scores where the judge can look at something and say, okay, yeah, there's three layers of highlights on this on all these models, but these ones are spectacular. Like it's such a smooth, creamy blend. Like that deserves a little bit extra and having, having that room for the judge to make that call of just where there's a little bit more painting skill or a little bit more imagination with kit bashing. Cause you can kit bash, but you can also kit bash to the point that it looks like it's an official model. And there, there's a Delta and talent behind between those two or the imagination, the story that you're telling with your display board and how cohesive that story is where you look at it and you, you see something that might as well be, box art right versus something that checks the boxes but might not give you that immediate like whoa impression there's room for that on the on the hobby track now and i think that inspires folks to do more than check boxes and really push themselves further and further and also makes it so that way you don't know what score you're going to get when you drop it off because you you have to uh you have to see what impact your what your project is going to have on the person that's uh, reviewing it. You know, I, I like it a lot. I think it's going to add a lot more, um, a lot more variety and a lot more growth to hobby track. Something that's pretty interesting about it is uh, one, another reason why I added the the subjective part of the scoring is um, I was talking to a lot of people back East about uh, running hobby track in their events. Hmm. And some people were saying they were hobby illiterate. So they didn't even know what half of the terms meant. <clears throat> stuff like that. So it was interesting c- trying to come up with an idea because I realized that they might score a lot of armies higher than let's say like, um, so the next, to be honest, the next kill a uh, hobby track event is going to be at kill team open. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be, uh, I think Will Hahn is going to, and the guys from listening to paint dry are going to oh, be doing great, a lot of great podcasts. I love those. Yeah, guys. they're great. They're going to be doing, um, some of the judging for it. So their subjective painterly scores might rate people, you know, like, Oh, this is average. So I'm going to give them a 10 out of 20, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that compared to like somebody who would say that they were hobby illiterate, um, might be like, wow, this is the best orcs I've ever seen or the best, you know, intercession squad I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm going to give them a 10. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So going from event to event from, uh, judge to judge, you can also score slightly different scores, which is probably decent for the scene. Um, you know, so that it's not so that it's, there's more of an average, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, another thing that I added this year, uh, after talking to a few people, um, was adding some terms and definitions of what we mean by layering, kit bashing, conversions, and multiple elements on bases and stuff like that. So mm. if you guys ever did want to go and do that, whether you have a hobby person in your area or not, you can still, you know, go along and do the challenge along with us. Um, as 2023 goes along, I've kind of added some of those definitions into the rules. You can find that on lustersworkshop.com, uh, I think backslash hobby track. But um, that's I pretty don't know. clever to add those, those definitions in because there's also there's not a clear definition for things like kit bash, right? Right. Like, um, does a head swap count as a kit bash? Does a custom pauldron count as a kit bash? Does assembling a model within the same kit 
but against the instructions count as a kit bash. Like you could lawyer your way into all of those things. And some of them, some of them are some of their, some of those examples I gave aren't kit bashes by the strictest definition. So instead of someone going, looking at your rubric saying, okay, I'm going to tackle this and then getting to events and finding out that what they did technically wasn't a kit bash, for example, um, it's nice to have that all forward facing right at the get go. Yeah. I had a couple people really, really beneficial to me behind the scenes, kind of giving me tips and tricks and stuff on making the, uh, making the hobby track a little bit better this year. So nice. to everyone that helped, uh, I appreciate you guys. Um, I don't know if anyone heard, but I believe our podcast, I forget which number it was. It was either 20, maybe it was 22. The one that we did with Ben from battle brothers, uh, YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, Battle Brother Tabletop. Episode 22, we, yes. Episode 22. We had a a really fun ch- hobby challenge that I would like to spread to the entire community. And that would be to p- pick up an army that you haven't started yet, um, that you really want to get done, and put it together. I mean, if it's already put together, that's that's fine. But put it together, get it fully painted exactly how you want, Build a display board for it, and then tag us at Squad Games um, before the end of the year. Uh, I think that it should be a lot of fun, and we'll probably throw up some prizes for it if if, if everyone kind of uh, wants to do that. You know, by the end of the year, uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. So, if anyone's wanting to or willing to do some some hobby stuff, you know, make it as exciting as possible. That should be a lot of fun this year. Yeah, I love the idea of that, especially because. Um, it encourages people to dig back into that pile of shame. Uh, I, I do the um, for the Kill Team Casuals guys, which is a great pod. If uh, y'all haven't heard of it out there in the, in your ear space, uh, um, it's Kill Team adjacent at best um, by accident usually. But uh, <laughs> they uh, I love the legions of Russ. I literally have oh. no idea. I swear, I'm, I'm so, so bad, bad at, at it. I'm so bad at riddles. <laughs> These guys are like he's like a crow crows on a tree. And then there's like two people stepping mud. What what legion am I? And I'm like, what the, f- what the heck? I have no flipping clue, my guy. And then people are guessing. I'm, all right. It's very enjoyable, though. I, I will say that. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Russ blacks out and then wakes up with a bunch of words written down on the paper. <laughs> and is like, oh, I guess that's this week's legions of Russ. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> He's like, got a nosebleed. But uh, I digress. Um, I run the... Uh, I run the monthly hobby challenges for those guys. Um, they asked me to take the helm of doing that for them. And for January, the theme was Old Sprue, New You. And the whole intent is just diving into that pile of shame and painting up something that you've uh, neglected for too long. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of finding motivation to go back and tackle those abandoned projects for whatever reason that they were abandoned, whether you were nervous about painting something or whether you were. Um, chasing the new shiny that just got released because of that blistering pace we had in the first season of uh kill team, right? Where it's just white dwarf after box after white dwarf after everything. Um, a lot of teams got left by the wayside. I say, as I'm looking at five primed and unpainted teams under my, under my hobby shelf right now, but, um, I'm looking yeah. at my future Arbides. Um, you said it <laughs> They're right. They're not nice. even out yet. <laughs> you have your Palantines. Uh, you know, I have them too, but I'm looking at my future RBDs when, when I buy them. When oh, I, buy them. I see what you're saying. I yeah. See. So, um, 
for for that challenge, I'll re- reiterate what mine is. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is going to be finishing my vet guard team and making a, a really nice display board with either lights or or a smoke machine in it, and also finishing my intercession team fighting a bunch of necrons. Doubling uh, down. Yeah, doubling down. Um, I mean, I make enough terrain. I, I hopefully will be able to do this. <laughs> if I don't, I guess I get to fly to Florida and see Ben and give him a hug. Yeah, oh, no. That's what it is. Uh, what, G, uh, what is yours? And then if Emmanuel and Rob were to accept this challenge, what would be your guys's? Well, first off, I believe Emmanuel already has. Hell yeah, uh, I have. But my stuff is I'm currently working on Navy Breachers and I'm finishing up Commandos, which was actually the team I wanted to play when I got into Kill Team. So, um, yeah, I I I think the moment I was listening, I didn't even finish the, uh, episode 22. I already went to the Squad Games podcast and said, I accept. Um, I have too many ideas. Um, I'm not going to commit to one of them just yet because it all depends on which team I plan on maining. But there's three contenders. Um, for at least the first few months, I plan on maining either um, either commandos, but new commandos that I finished for the old Spruinu U with a with a Sin City slash Angels of Death uh, vibe to them, um, and the display board for that. Um, I, it's going to be the Morak is the industrial terrain. I think the industrial Admechi kind of terrain catwalks surrounding a bunch of grots and i'm gonna convert that uh, i think it's bylar's revenge binar's revenge that black templar that's stabbing a knob i'm gonna convert that into a red gobbo stabbing a knob um in front of all the little grots so the commandos are are tasked to take down this rebel grot uprising that's that's the story behind that so that's that's one idea um the next idea is um, going with um, the Corsairs um, that I'm just calling Corsairs with a K because I think it's funny to not get so orky but subtly orky with the name um, and using the uh, Caradron Overlords um, ship and putting them on a beach scene because they have beachy bases. Um, that's going to take a lot of plastic cards to make that actually look orky, but I'm I'm willing to accept that challenge because I've never worked with plastic cards. So I'm excited to do that and make a ton of rivets. So that's option two and option three. And I think I'm leaning heaviest towards this is I, I'm, I'm kind of really Jones into play Phobos right now, seeing that they have like, despite buff after buff, they are such a low win rate. I don't think that they really deserve that low win rate. And I really want to push them. Um, so that, that idea actually the diorama came together once I got the hobby support that, um, or the prize support for the hobby track that you were able to, um, you were able to give, um, for that whole challenge came with a bunch of scenic base stuff that are all kind of like war zone, like sandbags and stuff like that, which is absolutely perfect for them coming out of like a rhino or a grab tank or whatever Phobos would come out of. Um, so setting up a diorama like that for my, my grot Phobos. And the fun thing about that is I'm going to learn how to use enamel washes for them. I have some streaking grime in the mail and some mineral spirits, and I've never used that stuff before. And I'm so scared to use it, but I'm so excited to try. Pro tip, makeup Mm -hmm. sponges. And I use them for my airbrush. So I have a ton of those triangular makeup sponges already. Those are good. Also, the little eyeliner ones that, 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 that girls use. 
that they're like little like like teardrop things yeah those oh okay nice and also i use a lot of blue blue rag uh like it's kind of like it's kind of like paper towels but mm-hmm. um it's the shop version so i use those a lot when oh i, I know exactly blue. what you're seeing i've seen them at yeah, uh mechanic shops yeah mechanic shops lowe's home depot yeah they're like they're just tougher okay yeah, I'm really excited Emmanuel, to give it a when try. When you said those uh, triangular sponges, you meant grilled cheese shaped, right? <laughs> uh, no, they kind of, honestly, I'm going to be genuine here. They kind of look like a slice <laughs> of pizza. Actually, no. If I'm being truthfully honest, they look like a slice of cheesecake. I'm looking at them right now. Now I'm kind of wanting some cheesecake. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but not Toblerone, though. Oh, clearly not. Only an insane yeah, man would think Toblerones are triangles. Definitely not Toblerones. <laughs> Somebody was like uh, the deploy deploy blur zones. I can't even say that one either. The Toblero, the, to, yeah. the Toblero zones. That's making me upset. I want to hear about Rob's challenge. <laughs> yeah, let's get more than that. Um, so I first want to just give a shout out to all these podcasts because, like, like I mentioned before, I mean, I'm I'm not a hobby guy. I'm not good at it, but um, I t- took a stab at it with this new uh, kill team, um, and it's. I mean, it's fun and you don't have to expect your stuff to look like Instagram ready. I don't know if anyone else is on Reddit seeing these like, this is the first model I've ever painted. And you're like, no, no, I don't buy that at all. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, that looks perfect. Uh, so you also, know, can I can I interrupt real quick? Rob, your stuff looks great. You're so down on your stuff. Your stuff looks great. Yeah, I mean. It does. I have I have hobby judges stuff quite a lot. Yeah. It's, it, but, you know, it, it the first couple attempts didn't. I mean, I've got a box of. Uh, phobos that i stripped like three times now Um, it's part of the process yeah and that's i mean it's for the people out there being like there's no way i can get a display board done by the end of the year and then well you can give it a shot you know worst case scenario you you learn some things uh for me it was actually my initial plan was i got pirates space pirates so let's put them on a boat uh like the uh the sigmar one that manuel was talking about and then he mentioned he was gonna do it and i was like there's no way i'm putting mine up next to his Uh, (laughs) um, but that's where the indiana jones idea came out of um so they've got that step pyramid um for the uh the lizard man what they called the seraphon seraphon something like that yeah Yeah, the new seraphons and so um i think it was actually emmanuel gave me the idea of making kind of like a two-part board where i have that on the side so you can see them outside kind of like breaching the temple like the opening scene of uh raiders of the lost ark and then inside i love that and then inside you can have like uh, the the boulder kind of chasing one down. And I've already got my uh, my wayseer, a wayseeker, um, a new one that I reposed, and he's reaching out to grab the uh, the little idol. And I've got actually a, an Indiana Jones action figure that came with the idol on a pedestal. It's about the right size. It's a little big, oh, but I it's about that. the right size. So you've got the uh, the warlock reaching out. I was thinking about trying to make one of the hats, but that just kind of takes you out of the immersion so they're they're not going to have the <laughs> jones hats on there but uh but yeah that's the plan and uh i was really a little a little bitter that none of my raffle tickets uh hit for me on the lvo because they had all this cool so basing sorry. stuff but uh <laughs> like ezekiel yeah and alex uh he wins all the, they were competing they're going back and forth at every other ticket all right so i got some great ideas for you yeah so jungle right um what surprisingly is a great scale for miniature wargaming is the plants that you put in an aquarium 
They're oh. very shiny plastic. Yes, they are. And the yes, way that you deal with that is just by hitting them with a matte varnish. And that'll dull them down to look more like, and then maybe a wash after that. I would do the wash after the matte varnish, so that way the wash clings to it. Okay. Um, and another thing that you could do that would be real funny is, do you have a faction that you like the least? Or like your rival faction whenever you see them at a tournament or something like that? Um, yeah, maybe some uh, Wormblade. <laughs> so <laughs> what you know. need to do, you need to get a Wormblade cultist. Yeah. And have like a pit with spikes in it, almost like a booby trap, randomly in the jungle somewhere off on the side that you're going to have to actually know and look and find to see. And uh-huh. just have them face down and take a hobby drill through it a few times so that way spikes <laughs> are going through it. Just like a little Easter egg in like the back corner of your display board. I think that will be just like oh, chef's kiss. I would love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I don't think Anthony's ever really said what happened to his worm blade. Rob? Did you? Did you? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go back to that freeway and see if I can pull him off the <laughs> pull him off the pavement. Yeah, <laughs> little pancakes. <laughs> hey, one of them got smushed by the boulder, right? That's right. right. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I'm really excited for this idea. It just like it lends itself to such like fun, fun ideas and then also like i mean i'm just sitting there like how am i gonna do that okay i've got an idea i can try it and if it doesn't work i'll try something else plus also anyone interested just reach out on the discord there's people there i mean dying to help oh absolutely that and uh everything i've ever learned was from youtube literally literally everything luke's aps is where i've learned all my hobbies oh my goodness except for maybe laser cutting stuff he he's great um I also enjoy the master classes on uh, Warhammer Plus. Those are super interesting. Uh, I really like them as well. They're they're a much different take because mm-hmm. a lot of their stuff is like the hardest of all hard routes because they they really stick to like acrylics. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the GW range mm-hmm. when you could achieve something very similar with result with an oil, but. Um, the time and dedication it takes to really do everything in an acrylic is, is astounding. Um, and something that is, <clears throat> I, I also watch Trovarion and he doesn't use any kind of washes or anything. And he pushes the pigment around. So when people just do everything in acrylic, it's always, always fascinates me. Well, let's move on to some Corsairs, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. The um, real pirates. Yeah. The real pirates. <laughs> So, Rob, you are the Corsair's aficionado here. Um, what does like a typical Corsair's army look like to you? And I, I see sometimes people don't take all of the the specialists for them. Is that something that you run into a lot? Um, yeah, honestly, there's a. There's nine guys, uh, nine specialists, um, or eight specialists and a, and a leader that you're pretty much going to take every time. Um, the options you can switch out with the leader. You can have the rifle or the neuro disruptor, and then you got a couple gunner options. You could take a heavy gunner. I've made the heavy gunners because I wanted to, and I think I've taken one on an into the dark board, uh, and he sat behind a door for four turning points and did nothing. <laughs> um, but the door was closed, so that helped, I guess. Um, but honestly, I, I, I love all the specialists. Um, I'm trying to find ways to work in my warriors cause the, 
the standard warrior comes with a power sword and a pistol. That's pretty awesome. Or a shuriken rifle, which is a bolter with rending. Um, so they're they're pretty awesome. But the the specialists are just cool. Like they're real thematic. I love that there's a a theme all the way through. And uh, I guess the the favorite one people talk about is you don't take the um, Kernite Hunter, what's the, mm. the bird boy? Because um, it's really like a probably a five up or a six up to get his uh, ability to actually work. Um, but if it doesn't work, you've just got a guy with a power sword and a pistol who can move nine inches and kill a bunch of stuff in melee. So he's kind of worth it. Um, I noticed that you do a lot of alpha strikes with your guys. Could you explain how you do that? Uh, yeah. So like, uh, Emmanuel said earlier, these guys move and that's, that's their, their main thing. So, um, with one of the models, probably the MVP for most of the matches is the shade runner. Uh, so she's got uh, fly, uh, on top of that, you can do your scouting recon dash. You can do a plunderer's dash. So before the first turning point, you're up to six inches away from your deployment zone. You can toss her a uh, plasma grenade, which is a uh, three, four hitting on threes blast. Um, so, Really, there's nowhere on the board you're safe from her getting across the board because you got the nine inch move plus the six inch before the turn starts. You can even use the the psyker to do a warp fold and get another six inches on there. It's <laughs> a good chance she's not going to survive much after that. Um, but then you've got some ploys like deadly ambush against the horde team. They move a little too close and you just charge them then. Uh, and so now your guy's stuck in combat. Um, it's at LVO, I use it a, a number of times. Um, but really what was best is once word got out about the first uh, first strike, then it's like, I'm just going to put my guy over here. And uh, what are you going to do about it? And maybe I don't do it at all, but they, uh, they have to kind of play around it. And that's what we were talking about before is that the best way, I think, to win in, uh, in Kill Team is either play your game that your opponent can't stop or stop what your opponent's trying to do. Um, and so the the threat of the the alpha strike and the threat of the Kernite hunter pulling someone out of conceal is much more powerful than the actual ability itself. I think. Do you find that the team itself works better in open boards or in into the dark? Because I've heard they tend to be a lot better in closed spaces. Um, yeah, so I haven't played a ton of really competitive into the dark yet. Uh, that's actually my biggest. Well, the food might be my biggest disappointment about not going to KTO, but the fact that it's a IPA uh, into the dark is probably the second big disappointment. Them barbecue noodles that Orion's supposed to be cooking for me. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go what? home. Get out of here. <laughs> barbecue noodles. I'm, I I suddenly do not care about corsairs anymore. <laughs> I still care about. Corsairs. Yeah, we're gonna plunder dinner. <laughs> and he brings it back. I love it. Now, yeah. Uh, okay. So, so maybe yeah. So I have in time. Yeah, I haven't played a bunch, but when I have, a lot of their little tricks are great in uh, Into the Dark. Um, but I think the movement helps. The fact that we've got a, a free dash, so we can open the door and still move. Um, but I mean, it's a game yeah, of movement. They, they they can open the doors for free, correct? Yeah. There's a ploy that lets you do um, a mission action for free. So. For one CP, you can move, open the door, dash, and then still have the ability to shoot or tap the point or do a bunch of things there. So good. Well, you can't do two mission actions in a turn, right? So you wouldn't be able to tap a tor- Uh Well, they're different mission actions. Um, yeah, your open hatch is different than uh, loot the point. So That is true. Uh, 
Would you be able to tap it for free? No, it's once per turn. Tap yeah. It. Yeah. So there's limit there. It was way more useful on uh, the old critical operations. Before that, you could use it for advantage, but it's still got a lot of ploy. Um, and then the other ploy that um, if if you follow any of the, the Discord chat about uh, the Void Scars is we're all really angry that probably the coolest one is Deadly Ambush lets you do a, a charge move if somebody moves uh, ends their move near you. Um, but you have to be an engaged to do it. And um, as has been stated many times on the discords, if you look up the definition for the word ambush, it actually has the word conceal in it. So <laughs> a deadly ambush should be happening from conceal, but it doesn't clarify that. Games Workshop, get on that, uh, fix that. But it's so much more useful in Into the Dark because you open a door in front of me, I can counter charge before you do anything else. So uh, that's been really useful. Um, and the number of times, I mean, it's a bit of a gotcha, but it's also an ambush. It's supposed to be. Um, <laughs> but it's great because even if it doesn't work, just the frustration being like, oh, that's what you're going to do. Now you're in combat. Yeah. But then also, it's also the threat of that. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I find that with my commandos, there's um, a lot you can do about manipulating the board state, but board state by having those threats all around and it, it seems like corsairs can have a lot of issues that your opponent has to deal with that can almost like corral or influence um where they're going to be or how they have to go about their win conditions and do you find that's true oh yeah um i was playing my last game at lvo uh, i was playing against uh a younger player who has got a lot of talent. Um, he he did pretty well in the tournament, um, and he was shocked by how quickly I could move. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for him, he was just kind of like, "What what happened?" I was like, "Well, the thing is, there's nowhere that's safe. I, it may not work. We have no real dice manipulation mm-hmm. uh, tactics, um, and we're kind of squishy. So once we're out in the open, but if it does work, like I can get a shot on pretty much any turning point. I can get a shot somewhere." Mm-hmm. or a charge um and so just having people i find it actually easier to play against people who've played corsairs before because they're they're timid about what i could do interesting uh, yeah normally huh. like and then you don't feel so bad when you do some of these like tricksy moves <laughs> it's like you you're you can do it you just know i'm gonna counter or i'm gonna do something and they're kind of frozen in place and i find that they're particularly well suited for the current critical ops mission pack because with the missions, I mean, except for loot, which both players technically can't, well, not technically, both players cannot max, um, you almost have to expect on uh, secure and capture that um, your opponent's going to get 12 and you're going to get 12 on your primaries. So secondaries are so much more important this time around. Um, and depending on what your opponent chooses and depending on... Um, what archetypes they have access to and what you can kind of read through the tea leaves of what they're going to likely do by being able to control the board state and control their access to their secondary points. That's a, that's almost like your win condition is con, um, compressing their secondaries since you can almost expect everyone to get 12 for primaries this, uh, this pack. Oh yeah, for sure. It really does come down to the secondaries and what I love um <laughs> Manuel, I was having this conversation a couple weeks ago. I don't like seek and destroy. What? Um, I just it's it it's reliant on me having to kill models, which is a dice move. Um, I mean, Ooh. I should be able to, but I got to kill people, and I got to be able to be in a position to kill them. 
And I, I mean, I play Corsairs. I think like Corsairs. I hide. I move. I kill. I hide. So I'm thinking my opponent's going to do the same thing. So now I got to risk models. But uh, with Recon, I mean, it's a movement game and I can just move anywhere. But I've kind of been forced into playing a little bit more of the Seek and Destroy. And now it's like, go into the matchup. What am I playing against? Maybe what's their play style? Am I going to be able to take my my heavy hitters and just delete some models or am I going to just run and hide and take some points and drop some beacons and, and what I love about recon, you just can't stop it. A lot of the times I'm just going to go there and do my thing and now it's done. So I got the point. So talking about secondaries and talking about a few of those things, um, LVO, I noticed something that seemed, I talked about this on our last podcast with Adrian. It seemed to be on crit ops that things a lot of players were scoring a lot of points, 18, 19, 20 points, only with one or two points in between. Um, and you're in both of your guys' games at LVO. Did you guys notice a trend in that direction? And did you guys think that your, your games were super close because maybe the primaries and the secondaries are easier to score except for security now um, and a few other things. And do you think that, crit ops is is needs to be touched at all i think for me um you're playing a different sort of game now you have to figure out what their ops their tech ops are going to be and then counter um you know make sure you've got someone ready to kill the uh, robin ransack guy um or you know if you think they're taking headhunter you just hide until turning point three and then they've that's one gone and if i'm gonna max out my secondaries and you can only get five that's probably enough for a win um so you're doing a lot more like figure out what they've got and try to counter that's fascinating so i i also think that it's because people are new to crit ops and it used to be that your primaries were your big swing right uh you could you needed to do certain big moves to score your max on your primaries and you had to you had to have a lot more control of the board and you could you could compress your opponent's primaries a lot better on the previous map packs um, or mission packs and that's not the case now but people haven't learned that language and they're realizing it's like oh well they're not going to be able to keep me from 12 i won't be able to keep them from 12 and the secondaries are the deciding factor and that's a third of your points but um, when one guy scores four and the other person scores six, but you both scored full in your primaries, the real differential is one person scored 33% more than the other when you kind of boil it down to what actually decided the game since the primaries were easy to max on both. Now, loot is different. Loot, you just yeet someone and steal one of their points early on <laughs> and then you swing the math real hard in your favor. Yeah, that's a um, Corsair special. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I have I've done that with my Commando Grad as well. I, I did that to Kellen uh, on our game in pods, and he was not happy about that Commando Grad. He poured a lot of firepower to kill that Commando Grad. I think he took a grenade launcher or a... Hashtag worth. <laughs> he had done his job. He looted a point. He didn't bring the loot with him. He just looted it and just died with it. But hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> potato, potato. But... Um, I think as we gain more experience in the in the community on this map pack, um, folks are going to learn more how to condense those um, 
condense those secondaries, but I think they're going to be closer point games just because the primaries are so easy to score. I think the secondaries can be easy to score because they're more they're more straightforward. There's less mental gymnastics you need to go through with them, but they're also easy to deny as well because the clause is easy for your opponent to understand how to prevent it. Um, I did an experiment at um, LVO. Um, I had a hunch that playing positional with infiltration with commandos was not nearly going to be as easy to score five to six points on than taking seek and destroy with commandos. But that was just theory crafting. And I wanted to prove that it was going to be really hard to get uh, a lot of points on those secondaries. And in all my games, I took infiltration, even though I had access to seek and destroy and proved to myself that even going hard on that playing positional with implant implants and auto take for commandos, but going with stock target and uh, gather surveillance where literally I just need to exist and I get a point. Um, and the commanders have the tools to do those pretty well. Uh, I still had a lot of challenge doing that. Something that I found really interesting at LVO running it was everyone and their moms was telling me that B and C were or secure and capture were a lot more balanced and not leaning towards loot. <clears throat> which is typically geared more towards hordes, supposedly. And when I talked to, um, when I spoke to Adrian and we had him on mm-hmm. last time, he he specifically said, no, actually, intercessors are pretty decent. Yeah, you have to leave a couple people behind, but they're still pretty good at loot, and I I, I don't fear it. And that was a different thought process than I've than I've had before. Um. And also, loot had the biggest variations. There were more ties than the other ones, um, but there were the bigger variances of points because not everyone could score primaries. So when I think about it critically, um, I'm starting to like loot more and more and more as a tournament organizer rather than everyone telling me that it's bad for the game just because there is a little bit more of a of a variance in scores and it kind of rewards uh, you know, more aggressive play, but it's definitely something that to, to keep in mind, especially when I'm playing at KTO, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. Loot, loot's uh, my favorite out of the three, hundred percent for a lot of those reasons. Yeah. 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 It's a very good mission. Sure. And with light fingers, it makes it even easier for them. So yeah, it sure does. It's, it's not just, I mean, it is easier for Corsairs. We get to use it, that the ploy, but it's also, I think, more of a, a complex game because there's a limit on how many times the objectives can be scored. I wonder if maybe mm. it'd be worth figuring out like, what if you can only secure a point three times? Um, that way you're kind of forced to move and uh, play oh, the game. Love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be really great for Corsair still. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so let's do it. It's interesting because yeah, they only have that's nine. That's a very interesting idea. Yeah. You know, I always think like, why can't they have both the gunner and the heavy gunner? Just something. Have you found that to be a detriment? Like, would you have wanted either the extra body or to take both types of gunners? Um, honestly, I would like to. If if they worked in a rule where like you have to take a, you can take a tenth model, but it has to be a plan warrior. It would be nice because everyone feels important, um, and sometimes you got to throw someone out there, and it's like, well. Maybe I send out the healer. No, that's a bad idea. Uh, this nope, not the psyker. <laughs> uh, everyone's got a role, and there's no, there's no uh, what's the word for it? Flack or you know, cannon fodder. Chaff. Chaff. That's it. 
there's no chaff. Um, and so I'd like that. And if I could take the heavy gunner, if I was forced to take the heavy gunner, he's still got a shuriken pistol. He's just going to run up there. And if somebody leaves him in the wrong spot, I'll shoot, but he'll probably be the, uh, you know, sacrificial bait someone out against like intercessors. When they've only got six models, I can lose a guy and be fine. But against like pathfinders or anything more than 10, even like the, the orcs, they got 10 models with 10 wounds. Like they, I've only got nine at eight. So it'd be nice to have the 10th, but I mean, we saw uh, James Skinner placed really high at the last tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we don't need a balance. Uh, data yeah, you, play, you, you did really well too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did Corsairs are doing great. Um, if they were going to give me a 10th model, I'd take it. If they were going to change the language <laughs> and be charged from conceal, I'd do that too. But uh, we don't need it, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I find it fascinating. It was just Spain doing really well with Corsairs and America was kind of struggling. Their win rate kind of in America, or at least on the West Coast, wasn't always as, as up to par. And then between you maining them throughout the year and seeing you get progressively better at every single tournament, um, as well as Skinner starting to play them and seeing how well them doing as well. It was really inspiring and, and cool to see, you know, Corsairs actually start to make a mark on the scene out here on the West Coast. Well, it's great with uh, Skinner, too, because he plays them a completely different style than I do. Um, he's much more aggressive, always seek and destroy. Um, and, you know, he gets people in places and, and controls the board with shooting and uh, threats. And I'm more just darting around a lot more mobile. Um, and that's what I love about the team. You can pick your, your style and just go for it. Emmanuel, does that does that make you want to play them more? The fact that they're kind of like commandos, where you could play them uh, either either way, and that's kind of like why you want to build your grots a little bit more too for them. It's kind of what made me gravitate towards them initially, honestly, and it was kind of like the same thing that's making me feel like Phobos need their glow up um, because there's the perception that they're not good, right? Um, yes. like you were saying, it was, I think Spain, Poland, and the UK were having a lot of podiums with Corsairs while Reddit and just the internet in general was just like, oh, Corsairs are bad. They need help. America. Yeah. Um, I, I was seeing it all over the internet space. It's just, it, it just didn't click for me. Cause I was like, no, they have tools. They get the best, they have the best plasma without hot. Like they have, they're all DACA boys. If they want to be, they can all take aim if they want to pop out of conceal take aim, shoot, and then dash into cover. It's, it's, there's, there's so much to them. Um, it's, yeah, I think the hard part though, is we just don't have dice manipulation. Even the, the, a couple plays that we do have, they're, they're weak, but that's just makes them a swingy team. So like mm. you are reliant on, you know, I've, I've done my alpha strike, haven't hit any crits. And because of that, I'm getting, you know, all right, that guy's I'm dying. He's had seven wounds across four people. That's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's rough. But it, it, I mean, it is a dice game. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of the point. But, yeah. I hope, I hope you're listening to Vitiates and uh, <laughs> creatures. You, you should roll dice. Right. Just, uh, just automatic do things with points. Blooded too. Oh my goodness. Being charged by a blooded who's under the gaze of the gods and just at the end of the charge, like, and I fight you, you're dead. I'm sorry. Yep. What? <laughs> and uh, we're, yeah, we're you know with uh, with Drukari coming out to say have their power from pain. Oh my goodness! We're, we're going to see how that works. Which and th- they might be the reason why Corsairs were designed the way they were. Only one gunner because they're who knows how long this uh, this game is designed in advance, right? 
But um, a lot of people are saying, it's like, well, why can't they take a gunner and a heavy gunner? Why can't they? And I'm, I'm willing to bet, I'll put money on this, that the, um, that's because they wanted to be, there to be a distinction between. Because then everyone starts that looking the sense. same, you know? Absolutely. Okay, yeah, I can I mean, see they that. They both have birds, and they're both elves. Um, yeah, there's already too much in common. We've agreed that every <laughs> army should try to have some kind of pet and or familiar. It started with, uh, started with the grot and uh, bomb squig. I'm surprised it yeah, took so long for it to come back. <laughs> Exodite Cor- with the little Corsair's dinosaur. Got with I would bird, love it. So. Oh, I'd kill for an Exodite team. Yeah, exodites with with a with a little like velociraptor looking thing, or like one of those cats that the cat lady from the Yanari have. I'd be down. <laughs> those links. Yeah, we need more dinosaurs and kill team. We just got Alex's <laughs> team. That's about it, right? His velocicarians. <laughs> I loved his his velosa. Like I wanted to give him the best the best conversions just because I liked them so much. But Miguel definitely deserved it. <laughs> but but <laughs> uh, Alex's Alex's uh, were so clever. Did you take I a close look so... at the faces of those Velocicarians? They I are, can't say I did. They're the derpiest looking dinosaur faces you've <laughs> ever seen. They he went out of his way to find the derpiest, chintziest looking toy <laughs> dinosaurs just to sell that contrast even further because you have the hyper-detailed Mechanicum kind of stuff. And then you just have this, this Velocir, Velociraptor face that looks like he's drooling. <laughs> it's, it's, it's some special chaos. I love it so much. They are quite amazing, I have to say. If anyone ever gets to play Alex Squires, um, make sure you get to check out his Velosa stalkers. Velocicarians. Velocicarians. They're at first I thought you said Velocicarians. <laughs> Velocicarians. Velocicarians. Of, that's the name. That's the name of my deaf dread. Her name is Karen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for going on to psychic spells, this is this is one of the armies that gets two models who can use psychers, which. I think only only really warp coven beats, um, and that's one of the other reasons why I'm I am also drawn drawn to the voids. I have twenty of them unbuilt currently. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's one of the reasons why I like them so much. Um, could you tell us like what psychic spells you kind of use more most often, and what you find works a lot? Yeah, so they've got uh, two psychers, but. They both have the keyword psyker, but one's really like an actual psyker. The other one's just your healer and comms. Um, what's nice is he gets to do the heal action twice if he wants, or just the uh, the one APL um, boost to someone. Um, and so that one's obviously such useful utility there. Um, and if you're interested on figuring out how to use AP boosts, someone wrote a great article about that <laughs> um, on uh, about orcs. Unfortunately, it's orcs, but uh, but the the idea is the same. Um, but the key though, for the Corsairs, um, is the, their actual psyker. I think he's the way seeker. Um, and he is, I mean, kind of like a, a MVP that kind of goes overlooked. Um, there's a lot of different ways to play with him. Um, he's got a, a lightning bolt that's uh, four five AP one, um, one of your few unlimited range weapons. So that can be really useful. Um, also it's a psychic attack, so it doesn't uh, get affected by being injured. 
um, which is really important in my current narrative campaign because he has a concussion, I guess. So <laughs> his uh, shuriken pistol shoots poorly, but the lightning blast keeps going. Um, and then uh, one of their few really like ways to toughen up a model is the um, it's called the warding shield, and that gives a three up invulnerable save, which is really helpful when you toss a model up for an alpha strike, or you really need to get a kill, but you want that model to last the rest of the turning point. I mean, a three plus invun is is great. And um, then there's the freezing grasp, um, which is probably my favorite spell. One of my favorite things these guys can do in total. Um, as long as you have visibility, you can take away two inches of movement and they can no longer dash. So there's a, a game I had at LVO uh, against Legionnaires and uh, some of Dakota's barricades are, are a little bit thicker than some other barricades, um, some of the, the light terrain. And so I kept on freezing grasp a, a plasma gunner, a Legionnaire plasma gunner. And I, could, I wouldn't have been able to get a shot on him. He was obscured. He was also obscured from everyone else, so he couldn't shoot back. Um, but because the barricade was so big, he couldn't get over it because oh, he only had f- four inches of movement. So the entire game, he had his plasma gunner hidden behind a pillar um, and just couldn't get out. Um, <laughs> and I probably could have used uh, the, the the Psyker for better actions, but I just couldn't resist to be like, nope, nope, can't do it. Um, so four turning points. Plasma gunner couldn't do a thing. That's hilarious. It's probably one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and before they uh, released the da- the balanced data slate, when they uh, said that you couldn't decrease movement below four, mm. it was even better. You go up to a Necron and be like, no, you got two inches movement and you can't dash. That's... What? <laughs> and if you're injured, you're staying still. Like, that's it. So, that yeah. Brutal. It was you're definitely the, you're, a... You're one of the reasons they did that. It m- might be, Yeah. Um, it's too bad you didn't get a play around with a teammate warp coven player on oh yeah 2v2. <laughs> you literally yeah. freeze a necron in place yeah just no chance and then oh. uh the last psychic action cool. this is the one that um i think really gets a lot of the uh the attention is warp fold um and so because these guys are such movement based this just makes it even more powerful the the psyker can for one ap switch positions with someone within six inches um, now, if they're carrying a, an objective marker, they got to drop it. And there's some other conditions involved, but basically just a six inch flip. So if you get your Psyker onto a vantage point and then flip them with the uh, the sniper that can shoot from conceal, but is heavy, so they can't get up anywhere real easy. That's a really powerful one. Or just get another model six inches up the board before they activate. Um, I've also seen it used. Uh, you throw someone out there to do some damage, but you don't want them to die. Maybe sacrifice the Psyker instead. Um, and then what's great about these guys is they can do two psychic actions and you have to roll for the second one on a three up. You get to cast it. Um, so that w- way you can do your warp fold, throw someone up there, toss a warding shield on them. So now they got the invun save and they can just do some damage up there. Um, and they have some equipment that lets you ignore the uh, mortal wounds if you fail that psychic action. So it's really useful. And uh, I've been seeing more and more use out of my psyker because that lightning strike is powerful. The, the invun save is super helpful. And of course, freezing people in place is just, I mean, it works on Geller box, just getting those big guys. They're stuck in the back works in so many different teams. That is a good move. I didn't think about that because yeah, you yeah, might not be able to the kill the them Hulks. off, but yeah, you can slow them down a lot. Yeah. Making the Hulks not move is probably fantastic. Yeah, Corsairs um, have a very favorable matchup into Hulks. And that's one of the big reasons that plus access to AP and a lot of damage and a lot of uh, power swords and melee. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, I wish I had a little bit more of that when I played against Orion, though, at LVO. <laughs> might not have been the matchup was the only problem. I think the talent level was pretty significant, too. I was, was going to say, that's not that's not a fair judge of uh, Corsairs into Gellerpox. That's Corsairs into uh, Orion. <laughs> yeah, that man's a legend. If anyone gets out, is able to play him, definitely do so. <clears throat> um. How about your favorite model? Do you have a favorite model and or like an MVP for the Corsairs in general? Um, so it used to be the Shade Runner, the one with Fly. Um, but uh, now they've changed the, uh, the Tac Ops. Uh, she's less useful. I also love that she's a she. Um, she has to be modeled that way. Um, and, and like I've been in games where I had to correct people and it feels a bit pedantic to be like, sorry, it's a she, not a he. Uh, but I think we need a little bit more gender inclusivity in Warhammer. Yeah, <laughs> um, so that's that's a, a bonus. Um, it's a really cool looking model as well. Um, and then the my, I think though my favorite from the very beginning and it's kind of stuck around has got to be the uh, the Starstorm Duelist. Um, so if you don't know what he does, he can shoot twice with his uh, for one AP. So he can shoot his Shuriken pistol, which is great with rending. But then also um, it's a fusion gun, fusion mm-hmm. pistol. Uh, it's basically a melta gun with a three inch range and I can shoot in engagement range with them. So I can charge up, uh, delete almost anything. I mean, I've taken out a, a nightmare Hulk with, uh, with that guy on his own. Um, and that's just pretty impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. Cause that's the, uh, the AP two and mortal wounds and, uh, being able to shoot. Uh, but also you can shoot at two different targets as well. So, you know, go into a horde team, you charge in, shoot two different people you're still stuck in combat if you get the charge off and then uh, i usually give him a corsair blade so he's a little bit tougher in a fight against you know pathfinders or vet guard or even novitiates that's maybe enough to to take out three models in a turn all i'm thinking is danny devito with two guns going then i started blasting <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it yeah plus all these uh, models have you know six inch move plus a free dash so I mean, there's not many places you can get safe if I've got, you know, doors and buildings and all that to get around. I mean, that's it's a pretty good threat range. Right. And that dash is free. So that's. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, that's and the gross. key thing, because I think I've seen some of the rules for the Drakari. Um, it's a it's much less conditions than the fleet of foot command ploy. Yeah. Um, that where it doesn't have to be tied on. I can move, then shoot, then dash. I think they have to move and dash at the same time. Mm-hmm. So. A lot more utility with these guys, which is good yeah, because I don't want to get replaced. Anytime. So yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which I think they're trying to do because I'm sure if they release Eldar, they don't want them to be like Drakari or Corsairs too much. Like be different enough. Yeah, when when they release Exodites, I hope they're all riding dinosaurs um, for kill team. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, for equipment, what is your what what is your typical loadout? Um, I'm guessing that you always take the plasma grenade. Um, not always. A couple times at LVO, I didn't. Um, mostly against elites, uh, like intercessors. I mean, we're looking at a blast with three four. That's pretty good. But then I'm close enough to get murdered, so um, it's not always the best. In Into the Dark, it's an auto take with the lethal five up. Um, but it's again, it's more useful to have it just to threaten. And even you know, intercessor players, the fact they shrug off the crits, they still don't want to get hit by a grenade. Which you know, silly. They're saving on threes and a thousand wounds. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty typical with that. I'd say the only auto take um, on open is the uh, the Pathfinder cloak on the sniper. 
uh, gives him super conceal. Um, and that's just so annoying for people because they got to get within two inches to be able to target them. The only real counter to that I've seen is the crew, the ability to take away light cover uh, because mm. a spotter or like the mirror match bird that doesn't do it because they cannot be removed from conceal. But if you take a cover away, then they can be shot. Um, it's even been useful in into the dark a few times because there are places, you know, hiding behind a door a little bit gives you some cover. Uh, but there's not really vantage point. So if I, if I'm going against vet guard, I might because of the spotter, um, that's a key piece of equipment. The, uh, the Lodestar helm is the, uh, the equipment for the, the seeker to, um, protect them from mortal wounds. I almost always take it, but I'm thinking maybe it might be a waste because I'd say probably only twice a game. Do I actually try it or can I do the second psychic action? Um, and so a three up should be able to hit those and, you know, you fail the, the the role, you don't get to do the psych action, even if you have the helm that protects you from the mortal wounds. Hmm. Um, so it's not super, and it's only two equipment points, but it could be used for something else. Um, they have a, a mist field that goes on the leader. That's a, a two inch aura that gives a five up and vulnerable save. So that's nice. They normally save on fours. Five's not a huge change, but against, you know, plasma or anything AP2, that's a really helpful. Right. Um, Better to have three than two or than one save. So yeah, for sure. Um, there's a couple unique ones. Runes of protection give you protection against psychic attacks. Um, and I usually take that against warp coven, um, put that on one of my models that I know is going to get up close and they're really going to want to kill. Uh, and then they have a, a, a diurnal mantle that helps you against blast and torrent, but you know, you're putting that on only one model. So it's kind of like, Oh, well I was going to shoot that guy. I'll shoot someone else instead. So you're really just shifting the target. Uh, one of the ones I find really useful is the Corsair blade. It's only one equipment point. Most of these models have a power sword or something close to it. Um, there's one that has relentless power swords, which is just ridiculous, and they get to parry first, just a whirl of blades. Uh, but the ones that don't have a power sword are pretty, I mean, they're gun butts and a 2 3. So the Corsair blade just gives them a 3 4. Um, so that's helpful. That just makes them a little more durable and probably not going to win a, a battle, but maybe knock someone down to a wounded so that the next person come in. Um, and then shirking them in the face or something. So that that's pretty helpful. Yeah, we have. Um, I want to ask both of this to Emmanuel and to you, Rob. Firstly, it's tips to brand new players. Now, Emmanuel, if you could give tip to a brand new player listening to this podcast, what would it be? And for you, Rob, what would be a tip to? a brand new Corsairs player. And then we'll move into a more advanced tip after this. So you want me to give a tip to a brand new player in general? In general. Yeah. For, for kill team, what nice. would be your, your tip to them? Don't get too focused in your factions rules. If you haven't mastered the game rules yet. Um, I've said it, Adrian said it last week. And a lot of what makes Corsairs really great is using the, the fundamentals of the game and incorporating those fundamentals into the strengths of your team. Um, so for any new team, it's fun to lean on their tricks, but do not forget the fundamentals in those core rules. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, it also makes the gameplay so much more convenient when the other player can... You know, remember like wait is it six inch move or even the, the basics or like you know learning obscuring that's 
but that may be more of a, of a pro tip because that's that's ridiculous. probably the big one to learn. <laughs> uh, for specifically a Corsair player, kind of a um, an early tip, it's uh, I guess remember that your movement is just better, um, but then at the same time you're not the only one that can move. I think one of the big things about the Corsair is that pseudo three APL is really helpful, but it's not three APL, and there are a lot of three APL teams out there. So, I mean, you look at intercessors with rapid, they can move further um, than you, they can charge further than we can. So that's helpful, but um, that's, that kind of gets bogged down in the weeds. I think maybe a big, the biggest easy uh, first, first or second time player um, is pay attention to like probability and don't assume that you're going to get, you know, a five or a six up. You kind of have to play that it won't work. Um, and not rely on the fact like, oh, I, I could get a six up. I could get this crit or I could get um, just assume that you're going to like roll average or worse. Um, and that way you're not going to set yourself up for failure and then be really disappointed. Because I hate playing a game where at the end someone will say, and I've done it a few times myself, like, oh, well, if I only rolled dice better. It's like, so yeah, but it's not, that's right. not how it works. <laughs> how do you do that? That is so, so true. That's true. Words have not been spoken. I'll give a a, a a beginner tip to tournament players. Um, I would say don't be result driven. Go to have fun. Go to learn. Go to have fun. Uh, I said go to have fun twice because that's what you should be focusing on your very first time going to a tournament. It's a great place to learn. It's a great place to learn a lot of games. Um, That would be my first time tip for a new tournament players yeah my very first tournament uh was a, a squad game tournament and i'd played a bunch of games against uh some friends and, and family that i was really good and my very first game was against emmanuel and he was so gracious explained to me how to play <laughs> i'm um, so sorry things. i had and he no was like, idea <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like i'm gonna put my barricades like this um and basically because i've done this there's no way for you to get on this point and i was like what what um and but like you know i i didn't know if i was gonna be good or not my my son was like are you gonna win at the tournament i was like i i don't know i (laughs) I really have no gauge how good i am um but i had a blast um and uh i mean again i got thoroughly handled handled by those commandos but i had a great time and um i haven't don't think i've played to you since but that's not by choice (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I had no idea that you suffered the Street Fighter effect on that uh, on that game. I, I call it that because that was that's what happened to me in elementary school. I thought I was amazing at Street Fighter Two, phenomenal, like the best, right? And then I went to a sleepover at a friend's house and got cleaned up. Uh, yeah, so you're only you're only as good as your play group until you uh, venture out there. But but um, that's how you grow. Yeah, it's true. It's very true, and and I've seen Rob go from from that tournament, which I I believe I know exactly which tournament he was talking about, mm-hmm. until LVO, and your 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 progression, my friend, has been as outstanding. Yeah, now I do the barricade shenanigans. They change the rules; <laughs> you can't do it anymore. We but... weaponizes barricades. Oh my <laughs> <Yeah>. goodness! <laughs> what have I done? I've created a monster. <laughs> I feel like that's one of the big things you learn. You go, all right, I have, I do have actually uh, tw- two more operatives in my team. They're called Barricade One and Two, and I can get a third. <laughs> I, unless your opponent starts taking the uh, infiltration, and they're actually working against you. 
Yep, the only time. I tried using it in, in the games I've played, the few games I've played um, with critical missions. They have not worked. <laughs> it was like, wow, what a waste. Uh, <laughs> um, but Rob, I actually don't really know a lot of your gaming past in terms of like tabletop and stuff. When did you start doing not just Kill Team, but other things that you've been interested in regarding like tabletop? So I played um, Fantasy Warhammer when I was wow. in middle school. And we're talking like... 1995 range um i played dwarves i would have about like 20 metal dwarves and then somewhere around 100 pieces of cardboard the size of a base um (laughs) because i was a middle schooler and they were all i thought they looked so cool when they were just primed in like flat black um uh also yeah 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 no this is that's height right there um and uh, I loved playing the dwarves, um, and then I got a little bit into 40k, um, and I remember when Tau came out, um, and I was like, because I wanted to play Space Marines, but I didn't want to have combat base. I wanted to sit back and shoot. And yeah, I 2001. Yeah, and uh, I didn't want to be um, uh, Imperial Guard because I didn't want to die easily. So I was desperate for a shooting team. But that's also when I stopped playing tabletop games because I was going off to college and suddenly everything, every dollar I spent, I actually had to earn um, instead of getting like an allowance. So (laughs) then it became kind of uh, expensive. Um, And then I was out for a long time, but I kept on just kind of following the lore. Uh, A couple years went by and then they took away my beloved fantasy battles. Um, And then they replaced them with this weird Sigmar thing um, that I still haven't been able to get my head around. (laughs) Um, the old world's coming back, Rob. Yeah. Don't you worry. And actually, that was um, I saw some post about that uh, on some internet message board, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll check out Warhammer again because the old world's back." Uh, that was you know announced a long time ago, and still isn't coming anywhere close. But then um, I got a I have a fourteen year old, um, and we were during COVID looking for things to do. I cleaned out one shop of like just regular board games, a lot of like co- collaborative board games because. I've always loved board games, but I, I got into a habit where I'd play one enough and people would be like, let's play something different because we want to also win. Um, so, <laughs> so, collaborative was board it, games. so was it Fireball Island? And why is that your favorite collaborative board game? <laughs> it was actually um, <laughs> maybe a bit dark. It was Pandemic. Okay. Uh, I, I, oh, got wow. I got that over COVID as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then there was Pandemic Rapid Response, which is just an anxiety-based game because you timed yeah um, I, I do. and you sit there yelling at your teammates because they're taking too long to make a decision um but it was a lot of fun but then eventually um i went to the warhammer cafe in monrovia I just walked by it i was going to a movie and i was like i'll oh, check it out and i was with my 14 year old uh i think he was actually 13 at the time and i saw the kill team box i was like this looks manageable i can i can play this we can do this together <laughs> um and that was the beginning of it i was playing vet guard for a while but i painted up both the vet guard and the commandos um but yeah i've always loved strategy games um i'm a, a history teacher of course um, and so i've always loved like you know i mean also it didn't hurt that when the vet guard came out the uh, krieg i also was right in the middle of creating a brand new uh curriculum for world war one hmm. um so like i mean i was almost literally in the trenches uh <laughs> so i mean and i've got I, I love world war one it's by far i think the most interesting part of world history at least the last few hundred years. So, I mean, I, I, I fell in love with it, but I love the strategy. I love the tactics. I love big and little pictures. I don't think I'm ever going to jump into full big hammer, but the boarding action looks appealing. 
and I might have enough Corsairs to build a full boarding action team. I don't know if they're any good. I don't even they're even legal, but it's going to so, be a lot of fun knives. fact. You're not allowed to take yeah. more than one elite choice in boarding actions, but but um, screw that rule. I'm taking <laughs> three commando units. I think you um, might be thinking uh, HQ choices, right? Corsairs are both troop choices in that. And oh, also well, if they're troop choices, then you could have a legal army. But I think you're only allowed to take one of each elite um, choice in boarding actions. But at least for now, at least for now. But three commando units, like my full kill team roster, um, is 495 points. So it's begging oh. to be played, and yes. I do have three full kill team rosters of commandos so <laughs> guys i like commandos is it a <laughs> uniform theme there or are they going to be nope. the different yeah great that's orc. good that's the way it should be <laughs> so true orc should be wow yeah no, that's a is that's... he bad moons or or is he uh what are the other ones i can't think of any of the other names besides bad moons free right buddhas now. bad moons evil sons death skulls evil sons yeah. that's the other one it's a paint. That that's really rad. How you got into a kill team yeah. kind of by accident, and that 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 Warhammer Cafe is a really cool place. They're super welcoming and super um, super encouraging for people in the hobby. Um, I I uh, went there to demo the new um, the new Citadel contrast paints, and uh, they were super super excited for me to sit down and just play with a bunch of paint in the middle of their shop. My wife wasn't. Uh, she she tolerated it. But, um, but yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really rad shop and that's cool how you just kind of saw the boxer and said, I'll, I'll have me one of those. Oh yeah, for sure. And it was great being able to do something. I mean, a year and a half of just teaching from home and my sure. son was doing school from home and we just needed some fun stuff to do. That might've been part of the reason why I walked into that tournament against Emmanuel being like, I can beat this 14 year old at the top of the world. <laughs> <laughs> that monrovia store i was there for the opening yeah i was there with you bud you were but i i stayed all all like it was like 12 hours to get in or yeah. something like that yeah, no, yeah. I and, and i got like i got a <laughs> second degree really... burn on my forehead <laughs> and um everyone left and i was the only person in line me and eric mosher and he was about to leave and I was like, dude, we can see the door. Are you going to fail your morale check right now? Are you really <laughs> going to fail your morale check? And he looked at me and he was like, no, no, I'm not. And then we stayed for another hour and a half to get in. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst decision of my life. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, that's commitment. Yeah, my forehead was so swollen after that. And I didn't bring a hat. It was it was. It was an awful decision. Yeah, but you survived. And then they had like they had Warhammer based drinks at the opening at one of the uh, Mexican restaurants next to it. Yeah, they yeah, did. That was. Uh, uh, I mean, if I didn't go, I'd never would have experienced the Diplomat. Shout out to the Diplomat. Oh, and, uh, I love Monrovia. the Diplomat. It's very holy good. moly! Good. They make that it great old fashioned. Rob, have you uh, gone to they... the Diplomat out there? I don't think so. No, <gasps> you're we missing out, that. man. Yeah, you kind of the flamme and yawn skewers are to die for i'm here in old-fashioned manhattan's filet mignon that's that yeah. seems nice it's a mediterranean yeah. food whiskey bar yeah, yeah after our next after our next tournament well yep. we'll all have to we'll all have to go out and uh, eat there 100 percent. side note the bathroom water pressure isn't super great i remember that well now it's ruined 
Yes. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> ruined. Just thought I'd mention that. And right around the corner is the Games Workshop uh, Monrovia place. It's yeah. literally like a 30-second walk. Yeah, it's awesome. I loved it. It's cool. So if we could get to that last point for those pro tips for these players. Eman, what is your pro tip for general players? Uh, for the advanced player, um, plan your primaries before you start playing. Plan your path to 12. So that way you can move about the cabin knowing that it's okay to get two because I have a plan to get 12. Um, and really focus on secondary denial. That's planar 12, secondary denial, and you'll get your secondaries along the way if you've planned appropriately. That's a good one. That's a great tip. Rob, how about you, man? Um, I don't know. I can give a pro tip to anyone other than Corsair players because it's been so long. Uh, but for me, um, I think we we are just taught that you have your side of the board and I have my side of the board and we're going to play and fight in the middle. Um, but that's not what pirates do. Um, when I have <laughs> big success against players I ne- wasn't necessarily expecting to, it's because I don't deploy the way you're supposed to. I just put everyone on one side and I flip the board. You take a long edge deployment and you make it short edge. Um, and now you're just moving up or you do the other way and they're just you're just attacking their flank. And uh, with the new critical ops uh, packs, it's really easy to kind of plan that in advance and see where you're going. But um, I'll just play everyone on one side and then just sweep, cut across, take out that side. Works really well with a couple of the, the recon tack ops. And then you just you basically turn the board and you're playing from the short edge or long edge instead. And it, it throws people off guard because you don't look at the board that way. Um, then also you can kind of dictate and you shoot them in the sides, which is nice. Or the back. It's always good to nice. shoot in the back. So are you saying <laughs> that as pirates, the deployments are more like guidelines? Guidelines, really. Guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of that, and I don't care what any of you guys say. I love the series. Parlay. <laughs> I Parlay. love the series. Um, for a pro tip for tournament players, I would say I'm going to rehash this from someone that I learned it from, and that it would be Orion. Warhammer and Kill Team and all games of tabletop are a games of give and take. And it's important to give to give things to your opponents as much as it is to take things and not not allow certain things as well. Right. So when when you're playing, you know, always play to the rules, but always remember that it's always give and take. And that's going to be your best interactions when you're playing a game of, uh, of skill. So keep that in mind and keep everyone keep, keep it in mind that the other person you're battling across the table is also a human being and we're all there to have fun. But that would be my uh, my tip for tournament players. I'm okay. going to give someone a grenade in the face, and I'm okay. going to take away that victory point. <laughs> <laughs> Denials, man. Um, this, this is a tip if you ever on camera. Uh, something I want to mention. As soon as whoever's assisting you on the camera side or you know the stream side, as soon as they give you a mic, assume it's turned on. Luckily, we didn't have any incidents, but there was someone who was worried that they had said something on mic, and they were not, but just assume that it's live. 
Yeah, that is that is big. Always always be sure that when when a mic is attached to you, don't say something that you don't want to know or don't want to hear. Don't want people to hear. Yeah, just uh, just uh, just to point that out there. If you're ever on on stream for anything. I heard Absolutely. about this. Yes. Um, luckily, no, no one caught it, and mm-hmm. everyone was fine. Um, but pe- persons persons were worried that they might have said things, and it's okay. So just. Just shout out there for anybody. Just remember that. Every mic's a hot mic. Everything's a hot mic. Even and with that, no. Even your quesadilla yeah. is a hot mic. It, Absolutely. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's a hot mic. <laughs> I mean, the, it's no, hot, I, but it's not a mic. I only eat quesadillas with hot sauce. I, I will say that. But that's because you go to like, I mean, I like Del Taco too, but still like, you know. <laughs> $5 quesadillas at this point. So fun, yeah. fun story about uh, Taco Shop hot sauce. Um about six months before I proposed to my wife, I was at Taco Bell and they had those little messages on the fire fire uh-huh. sauce and it says, uh-huh. marry me, question mark. And I was like, oh, damn, that's perfect. Um, I forgot I did it. Oh. She found it about a year and a half after we were married. When we were moving in our junk drawer, I was like, was this for me? Or are you planning something? <laughs> <laughs> so, so like oh, many orcs, you have like conversation. three. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right, and I, I think you know. Thanks, guys, for coming on. I think we're, we've hit our peak points of top conversation. I'm sure we'll do this again. Absolutely. Is there anything yet you guys want to plug? I, I know that Emmanuel has a has a has a blog, a really nice blog that Rob referenced earlier in the podcast for anyone looking how to use uh, the plus one AP actions. It, Make sure you go there. Is there anything else, fellas? Yeah, the uh, well, the blog you said, um, a bit of a passion project with me and Alex. Um, Strategicadvantage.blog. We got it. We did it. Um, it's it's uh, it's a fun place for me to put a lot of my uh, thoughts down. Fun fact about the blog: uh, my commando strategies peaked right when they were released. That's when they saw the most numbers, and then peaked again right before um, LVO commander pots. No man. Well, I, I think a lot of people. It's like, okay, how does Emmanuel play? Um, <laughs> um, and then you can also find my uh, orcs on my Instagram at eman.paints. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. The, the definitely read up on how to play against him before you play. Um, I actually heard. I think someone said that in the Discord. They were looking up how to beat orcs, and you felt betrayed. I did. Um, <laughs> For me, I don't have uh, any socials because I'm a teacher with young kids, so I like to keep that nice and private. That's um, but if you're in the SoCal area, uh, we have a, an event pretty much every month, sometimes a couple times a month, uh, called Kill Team and Coffee. It's at uh, Gameology in Pasadena. Um, we've been getting like 20-plus people on a Sunday morning. Uh, we start at opening at 11 o'clock. Um, it's coming up this weekend as well. I don't know when this is going to drop, so probably – probably on Tuesday. So last weekend, sorry. Um, yeah. Kill team and coffee, Pasadena gameology. Um, uh, Anthony kind of runs it. He posts the pretty much every discord he's part of. He throws that out there. So be looking for it. But yeah, it's, if you're interested in learning, there's people teaching games. If you want to be competitive, if you want to do tournament prep, if you want to do narrative into the dark, um, we've, we have usually like 10 plus boards set up. So come, if you don't have a team, someone there has got one to spot you. So, yeah, check it out. It's a lot of fun. And the best place to find out when those Kill Team and Coffees are happening is in the Squad Games Discord. 
Yeah, I right. didn't even pay him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys getting paid? <laughs> no, unfortunately. <laughs> Yo, I'm getting paid because it's the it's Thursday. That means we get paid from work. Nice. Uh, the uh, I would also like to shout out our Patreons who help us out every month. Thank you uh, so much. Really appreciate you fellas and ladies. Uh, thank you a lot. And uh, check out our Instagram, which is squad underscore games underscore entertainment. Um, and check out lustersworkshop.com. And don't forget to join the Discord so that you can join us along in that hobby challenge. Yeah, and you know, just tag us online so we can see it. I'd love to see them. Well, guys, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll catch you in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a blast. Peace. Peace.